ravage love. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. It's episode 32, season four, and the first episode of Naughty Noel. Hi, Julie. Hello, Renee. It's Naughty Noel time. It is did it. my personal favorite time of the year. And it is a whole month where typically, as our listeners know, we do week to week. We do one theme. We each read a book on the same theme. But for the month of December, it's dealer's choice with holiday stories. And so I have literally no idea what direction Renee took things in. She doesn't know how, what direction I took things in. Um, but I am. it adds to the joy because with you and I, we have such different tastes. And I feel like we occupy such different spaces on the internet. <laughs> but like yeah. you find things that I never find and vice versa. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but, you know, we both love holiday movies. Oof. And I have to ask, did you watch the Lindsay Lohan movie yet? Not yet, but only because I have a friend that is quite busy until right before Christmas. And I promised that I would mm. wait and watch it with her. Okay. Did you watch it? I did. And you know what? Um, the man in it was not handsome enough to be with Lindsay Lohan, but that's kind of... Like what you see in Hallmark movies is usually the men are like a six at best and the women are like tens easy. Um, but Lindsay was fantastic in it and I'm really happy to see her working. So I liked it. I was going to say, is it a good Lindsay Lohan comeback film? It is. It's it's like Overboard meets, um, oh gosh, what did, I, what did I say? It was like Overboard meets um, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I I'm intrigued. I was just going to watch it because it was just seemed like a messy. I mean, the premise is terrible. So um, it just seemed like a messy Lindsay Lohan Christmas situation. But okay. Okay. I can fuck with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was good. I like it. It was good for, for a Christmas Hallmarky style movie. Perfect. She was great in it. Yeah, she was lovely. I love so. that. I mean, I love a Christmas movie. I prefer the classics myself. I can't crush that many Hallmark movies in a row like you can. Uh, I mm. find I have more patience to read cheesy holiday romance than I do to watch it. I don't know why. I think it's often because the a lot of those made-for-TV movies, like the acting is just distracting. It's so bad. Uh, but then occasionally... You'll find a gem, but I do. Oh my God. I love a Christmas movie so much. Mm. Like nothing brings me joy like a Christmas movie. It truly. Mm. And the book I read this week easily could be turned into a Christmas movie. So I do love that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear about my book? I sure do. All right. So what's really cool is I did not seek out this book. It was one of those, um, the library express seven day loan kind of thing. So I went to the library to pick up some books that I had ordered and I saw this in the express display and I was like, Oh my gosh, this name sounds familiar. So I read all I want for Christmas by Maggie Knox. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar to our listeners, it's because mm. I've read the first book that Maggie Knox wrote. And Maggie Knox is actually the pen name of two best-selling Canadian writers. 
So oh. Karma Brown, who's known for the book uh, A Recipe for the Perfect Wife, um, and Marissa Stapley, I think that's how you say her last name. Um, and Marissa Stapley um, is known for her book, which was Reese's book club pick called Lucky. Um, and they work together to write these books. So last year they wrote The Holiday Swap, which um, oh, okay. I ended up do we ended up doing a giveaway and we gave the book away to one of our listeners. I believe it was Lana who received the copy. And that one was a fun kind of parent trap. Well, not parent trap, but um, Freaky Friday, I guess, kind of in a way where these two twin sisters traded places and one of them was on a famous nice. baking show. Um, and it was very sweet, a little bit of spice, very well written. Um, so this one is them again. So two women under the name of Maggie Knox. Um, and this just, just came out. So it really, it's a 2022, like it's maybe been out for a few weeks. So unlike our typical weeks, I'm actually not going to give all of it away because I really want folks to pick it up. It's delightful and charming and um, like very feminist. And reminds me a lot of like the bromance book club books where it's like still sappy and romantic and like, yay. And there's always a happy ending. So I'm going to tell you it's a happily ever after. So don't, you know, if you're looking for the perfect little holiday read, pick up all I want for Christmas. So the premise is Max Brody is a country singer living in the shadow of his dad's massive, massive celebrity. His dad is Holden Brady, who is an iconic country music star. So think of like creme de la creme in the world of Nashville and country music. And Max... Billy Ray. (laughs) Max Brody is the Miley Cyrus to her papa, Billy Ray. Uh, More like along the lines of like a Johnny Cash, because... His dad is known for being extremely talented, but he was also a philanderer and a drunk and a drug addict and all of these kind of things behind the scenes. And so Max is... Billy Ray would never. Billy Ray would never. I mean, he named his daughter Hope Destiny. I mean, Jesus Christ, what a a gem of a man. Um, So he basically, he's like, I, you know, I love my dad and I know I have a natural, like Miley Cyrus, who I think is one of the most talented singers out there right now. And is often not taken seriously because she's Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter and like has, you know, a bit of an outlandish personality, but Max Brody has more of a sort of traditional, like he's very, very good looking. Um, and he's very much like the sort of eligible bachelor of Nashville. And he's always in the gossip mags. Like, who is he dating? What is he doing? Look at his six pack. Um, but he's really feels like he's in the shadow of his dad and he really just wants to do everything he can to not be the philandering, hard living stereotype that his dad was. So mm-hmm. he wants to really make it on his own. So he joins the cast of star maker, which is basically a country American idol. Um, and there's some people who are kind of eye rolling of like, ugh, like what is he doing here? And also just the general sense of like, you don't need to be on this show. Like, why don't you give an opportunity, like, let someone else take your place. But obviously the competition is like, this is great for our ratings if this guy is on our show. So he's the hot bachelor of Nashville. So obviously everyone, and everyone knows his dad and everyone's um, going to be watching because it's him. Um, and he's seen as this like, you know, brooding country star who's like very charming and very hot and whatever. But uh, he looks every way the part of what of the stereotype in many ways, but is actually like a big old softy. With a rescue puppy named Patsy Canine. 
Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Knew you would love that. Knew you would love that. Love what it. a great name. And he has his like little his secret favorite hobby is to knit. And he started knitting because it helped him deal with his anxiety. Oh, my God. Because he has a lot of stage fright. And so when he's having stage fright, he, go, he like, visualizes himself knitting, like, the, like, stitches. And it kind of, like, helps him kind of, like, become meditative. Um, so, like, you know, you start to learn very early on that Max is more than he seems. And everyone assumes he's a shoe-in for the show. But he's got mega competition in Sadie Jane Hunter, who is a natural talent who really got there from hustling. So she played, you know, the classic Nashville story, played every dump, every dive bar, every whatever. Um, and her mother is not discouraging, but very much like, just give up and come home. You don't want that life. It's too hard. You're talented. Do something else with your life. But her grandmother is like always in her corner, always pushing her. Whenever she has moments of self-doubt, whenever she stumbles, she'll like FaceTime her grand and her grand will be like, go out there and fucking slay. You got this. You're great. Um, so she has this really great kind of complicated, but great support system back home. So she's resentful of the fact that this guy gets kind of like, you know, dropped into this competition when he didn't really earn his stripes as much as other people and she doesn't she can't deny that he's talented but she's like he doesn't fucking need to be here like the rest of us really need this record deal and the money that comes from the win so she's decided okay i hustled hard to make it on star maker if i don't make it if it doesn't lead to something either directly winning or you know a producer contacting me because they saw me on the show if it doesn't go anywhere i'm gonna listen to my mom and i'm just gonna go back home even though i would be devastated so she blows everyone away with her performance, um, but she can sense that they're kind of manipulating things to at least put Max into the finals. So she's like, fuck this fucking guy. And she believes the stereotype, right? She's like, he's a rich kid who never had to work in his goddamn life. Look at him. Yeah, he's hot, but like, fuck this. He's a player, da, da, da. So she sees him as a spoiled little Nepo baby, as Gen Z would call it. Mm -hmm. um, who's talented but undeserving versus her and the others. So the judges realize and the producers realize these people are both hot and very talented. So they pair them up for one of the challenges to do a duet. And right before they go on stage, Max is like, I got a little trick up my sleeve, follow my lead. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? This isn't your show, it's our show. So he goes up there and he's like, cut the music! And then pulls out his guitar and is like, we're going to do an acoustic. So they do an acoustic version of Islands in the Stream. Oh, yeah. I mean, is there a better duet? It's my favorite. Absolutely not. It's my favorite duet at karaoke, first of all. Like, anytime yeah. I could do that duet at karaoke, I'm here for it. They have incredible chemistry. Everyone in the audience and the judges are, like, seeing stars. Like, oh, my God, they're going to be in love forever. Classic country love song. And, again, you have Tim McGraw married to Faith Hill. Like, there's Garth Brooks married to what's-her-name. Like, there's so many examples of country music stars who end up together. So the producers are like, oh, my God, seeing dollar signs. But the second they get off stage, and they play it up for the cameras. Like, they look deep into each other's eyes while they're like, Highlands in the stream, like, whatever they're doing. <laughs> and then he grabs her hand and she kind of looks at him and he winks at her, like, to play along. And so they look like they act flirty. And then as soon as they get off stage, she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, I'm just telling you they loved it. They ate it up. So maybe we could just fake this thing. 
until the finale and kind of like give them a little bit of gossip because, you know, reality TV likes a little off screen gossip um, just so that we can both kind of like get ahead in this thing uh, and really win favor with viewers. Because obviously you got to vote for the viewer, the viewers vote. Um, and thus begins a classic enemies to lovers premise. Um, with a bit of a twist at one point. So you find out there's a bit of a family secret that comes to light. Um, there's also a, I would say pretty well done part where the Simon Cowell equivalent. So like the curmudgeon producer, um, sexually harasses her, um, which, you know, and kind of shows you the, the seedy underbelly of stardom. Um, and then they, the whole thing is that they're, they're saying we're going to fake, being together until the end of the show and the end of the show culminates in this big Christmas special. So that's why they have to, they end up having to compose a song together um, for the big finale, which is uh, a Christmas themed episode. So all of this is sort of leading up to the holidays. So that's the Christmas tinge of this uh, particular book. So like I said, I loved it. It's a really easy read. It's very much, um, if it was the summer, you would be like the perfect beach read, like absolutely the perfect book to just curl up with during the holidays. Um, even the sort of heavier parts with the family secret and the sexual harassment, that's not dwelled upon too much. So it doesn't feel heavy. Um, there's some spice and there's definitely believable chemistry, which is like always my thing, right? It's like, you could have the words on the page of these people fucking or flirting or whatever, but sometimes it's not plausible. You know, these people you're like, I, you can feel it, which I really appreciated. And, um, we had this conversation when we had, um, a special guest on our show where we asked like, Hey, you co-wrote a, like what Alex Falcone was talking about how he co-wrote his book with someone else. And we were asking him like, how does that process? So for this one, I assumed that like, oh, because the book alternates between their different perspectives. So I was like, oh, one of them wrote Sadie and the other person wrote Max. And then in the back of the book, there's kind of a Q&A and they say, yes, that's what they did. But they refuse to say who did him and who did her, which I thought was kind of cool. Oh. But that's how they wrote the book is like really showing it from each of their perspectives together. So I would, you know, if next year, I don't know if they only are only going to put out uh, Christmas books, if that's their plan. But if they do, then I will absolutely get one next year. Really recommend it. Quite lovely. Um, and it's called All I Want for Christmas by Maggie Knox. And I'm not even going to read you guys the reenactment because I don't want to spoil it. I really just want folks to um, enjoy Max and Sadie and Pat's a canine. <laughs> You're literally okay. It sounds like you just read Rhinestone, um, <laughs> the 1984 classic starring Dolly Parton and Sylvester Sloan. Hell's yes. Um, no, that one's more of a My Fair Lady situation. Um, it sounds sweet. It does. Sound it, like it, a yeah, sweet it's little. very sweet. Um, with like I said, still a little bit of spice. Like it's not like at no point, and especially because it's country music. Like if it was anyone else, I was like, oh, go. We're going down the Christian path, you know, like. Country music is real close to gospel sometimes, but no, it doesn't get yeah. in that space at all. Like it's clearly two feminists and they talk about in the Q and a, how they both like binge the show Nashville and just like love the soapiness and the drama of like country music and like how music industry in general gives you lots of angles to explore and stuff. So um, yeah, a great contemporary enemies to lovers romance, if that is something that checks off boxes for you. So that's what I read. Aww. What did you read, Renee? As per always, I'm dying to know. 
Um, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what I read. Um, <laughs> Please do. Soon to be a Christmas classic, I'm sure. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. My book was called Cookies and Cream, A, a Spicy Christmas Magic um, okay. by, none, yeah, none other than Latrexa Nova, uh, who wrote <laughs> my Halloween book, Bad Out of Hell. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, just off the bat, I mean, that book was a little weird. Uh, but it was spicy, and this book was no different. Oh, okay. So, yeah, mine was a very short read. It was about 40 ebook pages. Like, it wasn't very long. Um, so, uh, Maeve is a kitchen witch, and um, every year during the Yuletide, she participates in an orgy with the horned god, who is, is Satan. It's Satan. It's Satan. Just say it. <laughs> um, Satan, yeah. Um, and for the like last couple of years, he hasn't shown up. And she's like, I get that the orgies haven't been like fantastic, but like <laughs> at least show up, okay? Um, now her daughter, um, she is in a relationship with like a mortal, like a human mortal Christian person, and so she's celebrating her first Christmas. And she's like, mom, you should come. Like, yeah, it's not Yule, but it's, it's pretty close. Like, it's fine. And her mom's like, no, you know what? Not for me. I'm just going to enjoy the holidays at home with myself. Um, but, um, yeah, I'll make you cookies. So she has to make all these gingerbread cookies, uh, for the holidays. And she's never really made them before. Cause that's not like a witch treat. Um, and so she's, you know, in the process of making these cookies and there's a knock on the door. And in walks her neighbor, Anna Grace. Um, and Anna Grace is like, think like homeowners association, like Lululemon, like really hoity-toity um, kind of person. And she comes in with this man who's like, yum, yum, spicy. Like he's a piece de resistance, this guy. And um, Maeve is immediately like taken with this man. But like, obviously she, she recognizes that Anna Grace is into him too. Um, and Anna Grace mentions like, Oh, you're making cookies. Well, you know, I make cookies every year. You know, that's part of my traditions. Um, I will help you. And she's like, awesome. And so Anna Grace like has this really great gingerbread recipe. And she's like, I got you covered. Meanwhile, this guy whose name is Flynn um, is like making eyes at Maeve. And Maeve is like, okay. And she notices that Anna Grace is noticing. And Anna Grace is kind of getting like a little jealous. But um, she she's trying to so Maeve is trying to get things out of the cupboard and she spills molasses all over her titties and she's like oh no molasses oh no this is so sticky and the guy's like we got to get this out of your shirt right now or it's gonna stain so he like rushes over her to try and get this molasses out um which is kind of weird because like she's a fucking witch she can just zap it out but like they don't know she's a witch and uh so he's like trying to help her get all this molasses off her shirt um, and it's just like not going anywhere. Like, so they start to get all like horny and shit and they start making out and whatever. And then, um, I guess Maeve recognizes that like Anna Grace is really, um, like jealous. And then we learn that like Anna Grace and Flynn have like a dom sub relationship going on. And so they're just like making out in the kitchen. And then he's like, slave, you should go lick her pussy. Is that okay with you, Maeve? And she's like, totally. And then Anna Grace is like, yum, yum, yum. And um, they're all like in the kitchen, touching each other and about to come everywhere. And they're, they're coming. And then Flynn is knocked back by the force of his coming. Um, I'm just going to read, 
I'm going to go ahead and just read what happens because um, I t- to finish the story, you need the context <laughs> and I don't want to ruin it for everyone. So um, Flynn is knocked back and he falls into her giant oven. Oh, here. Here we go. Okay. Smoke billowed out and around us, but it didn't smell of burning flesh and fire. It was spicy like cinnamon, pure white like fresh fallen snow instead of a deathly gray. I blinked back the tears of anxiety and fear that had formed without my realization, trying to prepare myself for what I'd face when the smoke cleared. I gasped when a hand reached out and circled around my waist, pulling me close. It felt strange, not quite like a human hand. I moaned at the taste of him, ginger and cinnamon and warm vanilla sugar, a perfect winter treat. His body radiated warmth like the oven was still on. I brought my hands up to feel him, so thankful he was alive. As I felt the strange texture of his back, I heard Anna Gray scream and I broke away. Standing in front of me was Flynn, but he was no longer just Flynn. His skin was dark, reddish-brown of a gingerbread cookie. His tattoos and pants drawn on with royal icing, with just a dip in the crotch to allow for his giant penis cookie dripping with frosting. You good? I'm okay. Continue. Here we go. I didn't know whether to be turned on or mortified. I was never a fan of the taste of cum, and here was a man whose cum must taste as sweet as he looked. I was filled with an insatiable desire to consume him. I looked to my right, and I watched Anna Grace be taken by the same desire. Her eyes softened from the wide openness of fear to the half-livid look of lust and gluttony, and she took him for what he was. A six-foot-tall gingerbread man, all for our consumption. Is it hot in here, or is it just me? Flynn asked, his voice strangely high and strained. A hand flew to his mouth as he spoke as if he'd surprised himself. Then, through wide, white eyes, he looked down. Oh my god! What happened? What am I? Good enough to eat, Anna Grace growled as she pounced forward. She began licking at him all over, his abs, his pecs, his shoulders, and he groaned as she laved his torso. My mouth watered with envy as I watched her wanting to taste him for myself. He was utterly irresistible in human form, but with a body like he was in now, he'd make a glutton out of anyone. Oh my god, he melts in your mouth, she moaned. Slow down! What's going on? He laughed, his voice just slightly panicking. I just want to. She dragged her teeth across his chest, and I shuddered at the sound hard teeth on a crisp cookie. Eat you up. And with that, she bit into his shoulder, and when she drew back, there was a missing piece right where she'd taken a bite. He groaned something between fear and pleasure and sidled his way out of the oven. His grunts grew strained, and I could feel he was on the verge of climax. I curled my nails into the softer cookie of his ass, felt the indentations left by my nails and fingers, and before I could really take that in, his hands pulled my hair tight as he moaned his release. Fuck! That feels so good! He groaned, panting hard as he continued to come. Soon my mouth was filled to bursting with the sweetness of his frosting cum. Almost in unison, we turned to Flynn, hunger clearly in our eyes. He was barely recovered from his orgasm, and truthfully, I was almost exhausted from our efforts, but we vaulted forward and he slipped away from us. Come back, she cried. I need more, I begged, breathless. I want to eat you up, Anna Grace groaned. He bit his lip and tried to cover his cock, which had sprung to life at the comment. No, no, you won't be satisfied till you've eaten up every crumb, he denied. Mmm, Anna Grace hummed, licking her lips. No, I need to, he spat out, not even bothering to finish his sentence before he turned around. Run, 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 as fast as I can! 
So the man turns into a gingerbread man. Ugh. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't I read the that. whole. I gathered yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. A lot, a lot happened in that scene. Uh, they licked off his royal icing pants to suck his gingerbread penis. Um, now, the thing is, is that with, with, the spell that was cast on him in the oven he becomes like irresistible to everybody so everybody wants to eat him up like they want to like actually eat him and he's like no way guys i'm out of here um and so uh sorry i'm just feeding feeding the dog because she also wants a sweet treat um (laughs) so they they chase him they chase him out of the house and when they find him there's like all of these people from their like fucking cul-de-sac trying to eat him um and they're fucking him so like this orgy is happening and they're like oh no and so he's like i need to get across the river like in the book um and uh so anna grace like get on my shoulders and she goes to swim him across the lake and mave like casts a spell to try and help him turn back into a human and sure enough uh it works and like his human form is inside the cookie so they make it to the banks of the river and all the neighbors in the cul-de-sac have gotten through um to these people and they start to eat the cookie off of flynn and then they all just start having an orgy and then who shows up but the horned god and he's like this is the orgy i've always been waiting for and she's like yeah it's a christmas miracle and then the book ends with Gods fuck us, everyone. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, so my my book was about a gingerbread man. Um, that he literally turns into a gingerbread man. Um, so, <laughs> is that a is that a new trope? Have we done that before? Genuine question. I don't know. No, we haven't. We haven't done a gingerbread man. Um, okay. I've done elves. I've done Santa. I've done um a partridge oh fuck that's what it was i knew you had done something real zany at one point it was the partridge the partridge yeah well it will always stay in my mind but um yeah i mean this book was it was so fun it was funny it was a funny read latrexa nova is a very funny author uh, very involved on social media. I think she even has a podcast. Um, but I learned about this book because we follow her on social media. We don't follow a lot of authors. We do follow her. And um, she is constantly churning out the hits. And this was very fun. I don't usually like reading about witches. I don't love witch books. I find witches and romance are just like, just, they're not, they're not fun. I don't know why. I don't know why they're written the way that they are. But this one was okay. Um I didn't think, you know, there on the cover there is it looks like a like a Chuck Tingle cover where there's like <laughs> this like ripped dude with a gingerbread head and like gumdrop buttons. And I was like, oh that's weird. And so the book as the book reads, you're like, oh there's not going to be any gingerbread man. I thought like it's it reads like um they come over to help make gingerbread and there's going to be fucking Nay, nay, Julie. <laughs> nay, nay. The man, fa- <laughs> the man falls in an oven, emerges a giant gingerbread man who is irresistible. I. What are your thoughts on gingerbread? Do you enjoy I don't it? I like it. You don't? No. No. See, I do. I very much do. I like. I like ginger, like as as a flavor. Um, but I don't. I don't like. I find Christmas cookies are really, really sweet, and um, yeah, and you yeah. don't. I'm sure we've talked about this before on the show, but I am the dessert sweet tooth sugar fiend in our duo. You are not. Mm-hmm. Um, you like some veggies and meat and 
fries and potatoes, like good shit that I also enjoy. But um, but you prefer the savory stuff than sweet stuff. Yeah, I like sweet stuff. Yeah. So I love gingerbread, but I have failed epically every single time I've tried to make it. Um, but uh, there was a company in Ottawa that last year made vegan, because I'm vegan, vegan gingerbread house kits. And me and my grown-ass brother, like a man in his 40s, we had a time putting together that gingerbread (laughs) house last year to the point where multiple times this year, my brother's already asked me, did you get a gingerbread kit yet? And I'm like, they haven't, they're not yet. I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, So gingerbread is very difficult to make in my experience, but it's very delicious. What are your thoughts on, okay, so you don't like gingerbread. What are your thoughts on eggnog? You know what? I have this weird relationship with eggnog where like, Every other year, I like it. Oh, it, it, because it does get too much. It does yeah. get too much. I totally agree. I usually like to have like one nice, super cold glass a year. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done for another year. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, you know what? I, you could write a really fucked up like birthing romance book <laughs> called like Le de Poule. And <laughs> I think that would be really funny. Like it wouldn't be called eggnog. It would have to be called Le It de would Poule. obviously have to be called Le de Poule. Clearly. Yeah, because like. And it maybe has an Easter vibe or something because there's got to be eggs. There's going to be breast milk. It, and that's like it's writing itself. <laughs> We're writing right this now. whole thing as we speak. Um, okay. So I'm going to assume the last one that, the, that also was weirdly divisive. Uh, candy canes? How do you feel about candy canes? I, I Here's the thing. I love mint. I do. Um, I just I don't like how sugar stays in my mouth. That's my problem. It's not that I don't like the taste of things. Oh, it's the Although after, I feel like, like the mouth feel that yeah. sugar leaves you with. That's what you. Oh yeah, because yeah. that's why you. That's why you also have like sugar free pop because you're like sugar just feels yeah. weird in the mouth. Yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna blame my mom because she was you know a product of like fat phobia of the 80s and 90s, um, and so we never really drank a lot of sugary things or had sugary things growing up. So I just don't like the flavor of it. Um, like if I eat chocolate, like I, I have to have it refrigerated cause I find like the sugar doesn't, like it doesn't stay in my mouth the same way. Um, Interesting. so yeah, like I like mint. Um, I, I, I will say, um, I like a soft shortbread, oh. not a crunchy one, like oh. a good soft shortbread with like the, the, like red clear sprinkles on it. Yes. I like a whoopie pie. Really, oh, okay. I love those. But, so my sister would always make these like tins of cookies and gift them to us every year. And she always made these like, she called them Oreos, but they're just whoopie pies and they're fucking out of this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. I, though, yeah, I, I could fuck with a Nanaimo bar. Ugh, gross. I love them. I will Oof. eat them in everything. Like a good, a good Nanaimo bar is not too sweet. When they're too sweet, it's like too much. But like Costco has good ones. I can't. I don't know what it is, but I love dessert, like in a big way. Like it's a problem. And I cannot stand Nanaimo bars. Like gross. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the whatever the fuck the. I think it's one. I don't really like chocolate. So I'm picky about chocolate. But it's whatever the fuck the yellow shit is in. Butter and icing. Ugh. It's just like when I'm saying it's too sweet. It's too sweet. But um, did you grow up with, I don't know if this was just like a French Canadian thing, but did you grow up with those desserts that were like squares with like marshmallow and butterscotch? 
Oh, fuck yeah, I did. Ooh, and then you would get like the um, multicolored marshmallows in there. Yeah, or like it'd be like peanut butter yes! and butterscotch and yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. So my family was yeah. all about those fudge. Bake sale classic. Oh my God. Church Bazaar. Absolute yeah. bake sale classic. It, in my family, it was like date squares because my dad loves a date square. I'm like meh on a date square. To me, it's like eating a granola bar. Like I don't really, it doesn't feel like dessert, but um, but it was yeah. those, it was those like marshmallow, peanut butter, butterscotch things. Um, yeah. And then not as enough. I, I don't think I had shortbread until I was like a grown ass adult because my family was just like sugar cookies. Like, you know, with like the flooded icing with like that are in like the shape of like a Christmas tree or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then ginger snaps. And like to this day, my one Matant sends me a tin of ginger snaps every year for my birthday. And then when I got diagnosed with an allergy to milk, she just like made it vegan and they're just as good. Ooh, I love a ginger snap. That's like my ginger snaps and candy canes. Like once I have those and I listen to Barbara Streisand's Jingle Bells, um, my holiday oh, is complete. Circle back to that. Yeah. And my holiday is complete. Like that, it doesn't feel like Christmas unless I've had ginger snaps, candy canes, ooh, a good hot chocolate too, <laughs> and then I've listened to Babs, and then I'm like, yeah, done. I can, I, I can fuck with like a peppermint hot chocolate. I think that's ooh. as sweet as I go. Um, the holiday season, but um, so circling back to Babs, yeah. so. You, you told me about this song years ago and you, you played it for me and I was like, oh my God. And now it's become part of our Christmas <gasps> in my home. Oh, Renee, I and love that so much. It was yeah. passed down from my mom to me, to you and your kids. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And so I actually was trying to tell my boss about it and I played it for her and she's like, this song gave me anxiety. I was like, yeah, because it's so fucking fast, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but my little one, Winnie, she, at the second, it's like, november that's the song she wakes herself up to every day oh my she God. has it on her so she's like google play jingle bells by barbara streisand and she's in her bed like jingle bells jingle bells it, she just fucking loves it and then she's like upset like oh she loves it and it's like we have it on like vinyl and it's just a, it's part of our of Ooh. our uh tradition now and like it this is the first year where winnie um is listening to it every fucking day but i will take it over that goddamn see a christmas album oh yeah I, that was that last one year i have to listen to i listen to it all christmas like all christmas and i'm just like come on guys like, yeah my family and again like i was born in the 80s my parents were only 20 like my parents were born in the 60s so they're not that old um but like to this day in our family it's that barbara streisand song and Boney M's Christmas. Yeah. There's no better Christmas album than Boney M's that. Christmas. I also found it on vinyl at like Value Village and I was like, oh, like who puts this, who gives this away? This is an artifact. Boney M at Value Village in Alberta is like, you're going to get it there. Like oh. you're going to have nothing but tons of Boney M, tans, tons of uh, Anne Murray, oh. tons of like Nana Miscouri or whatever. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's what you're gonna find, oh, but man. yeah, we do we do the Boney M by the River Babs. of Babylon. Oh my God, so good! And we do um, Twisted Sister. That's my oh, favorite. That's fair. I will also. Yeah, that's a good one. It is a really good album. Um, so you know it. I mean, I'm here it, for I Mariah do. Carey, and I'm here for the Buble. Céline Dion has a great Christmas album. Like 
you know, I do also love like Ella Fitzgerald, the Bing Crosby, a Nat King Cole. Ooh, like I love, like I love those, but Boney M and Babs also, um, Wayne Newton. (laughs) (laughs) You would. (laughs) There is a Wayne, my parents bought like a comp, remember we used to go to like Starbucks, they had like compilation CDs that you could get. So my parents bought like a Starbucks compilation CD one time, and I don't remember why, but, or maybe they got it as a gift, whatever. And on it is like the most eclectic mix. There's like a <laughs> symphony version of like, da, 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 whatever. And then it cuts to fucking, da, 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 and it's fucking Wayne Newton <laughs> and his spray tan goodness. And when we decorate the tree, literally, it's that song. And then it's my mom's rendition of Barbara Strand's Jingle Bells. And then we're like, fuck putting up the tree. Christmas has already happened because we are here. So, yeah, I love (laughs) I love it. I love Christmas. And I love that this week we really just took like just really played to our strengths, which is you found a zany fucking of gingerbread. And I was like, look at these country music singers on a show. (laughs) Yeah. So we really, we ha- always have something for everyone on this show. We really do. <laughs> Unless yeah, you don't you believe know, I, in joy, you should have something to connect with here at Ravage Love. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. I'm really enjoying the dealer's choice because it, it, it opens up like <laughs> the, the, the possibilities are endless when we do dealer's choice. And so truly I am feeling really good about um, what we're going to have lined up this naughty Noel. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening as always folks. And it was real lovely chatting with you, Renee. Likewise. Upset. Upset. Okay. You want to <laughs> sing us out? I'll never do it as well as Babs, but <clears throat> Ravage love, ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Kevin McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I-Y-A-M-I on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.